Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. I'm SJ Lidke, Vice President of Marketing with IndyCar. And I'm Bennett Indart, Vice President of NTT Smart Solutions. Bennett, SJ, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, SJ, you've been traveling quite a bit, so thanks for, uh, for making a few hours for us. I'm just kidding. We're not going to take that long. <laughs> um, anyway, thanks for yeah, thanks for being here. The so uh, the thing we're here to discuss primarily is what NTT is doing uh, with IndyCar uh, and how it's improving the experience for fans and um, and and the venue in general. Um, I guess I, I I'm trying to think of where to start. I mean, Kelsey, you can chime in if you want, but I mean, I'm very interested in this whole idea of predictive analytics and what that does for us, because it sounds very applicable to all kinds of other stuff. Um, Bennett, do you want to start there with like what you actually set up for IndyCar? And then maybe we can get into, um, you know, from SJ, how that changes, um, you know, the experience uh, in viewing and consuming the race itself. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, NTT is the is the title sponsor for the Indy, NTT IndyCar series, and so that's uh, 17 races throughout the year, including uh, the the big one of them all, the Indy 500, which just completed last weekend over Memorial Day weekend. Um, there are three solutions that we are sort of you know working with IndyCar and and the uh, IMS and Indy Motor Speedway on. Um, the first one is a is a data analytics experience um, uh, for the racing and the fans and and looking at different stories that are you know that the data is telling us during the race. Um, the second one is a it is the smart venue. So looking at uh, Indy Motor Speedway in terms of a large city, which it is on race day, especially on Indy 500 race day with 325,000 people. Uh, and, and helping the fans and uh, the operations teams uh, navigate both entry and exit of that facility during that that day. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that. And then the third is the uh, is the IndyCar mobile app that is powered by NTT. Uh, so there's a, there's a number of different places, but you know just to talk specifically about predictive analytics, um, we're using predictive analytics in a lot of different in a lot of different places. As you can imagine, with the first solution I talked about in the racing analytics, we're looking at things that are um, pit strategies, racing strategies, you know, using tires and gas and, you know, fuel and things like that, that are all very important in IndyCar uh, and trying to, to help the fan understand uh, the different ways that uh, racing teams and race car athletes and drivers will will commence the race and, and work through the race. Uh, we're looking at pit strategies. How many strategies are the are predicted to be the winning strategy, right? How many pit stops? Uh, and then the third component of that, um, we are looking at, um, who in a particular point in the race, and even in a particular location in the race, uh, you know, could be in third or could be in 15th place, who is looking to make a move? And we can see that because we're looking at all of the telemetry coming off of the cars and we're looking at um, their speed, uh, the, the way that they're turning and taking turns and G-forces and, and all of those things, plus the things you would expect, the tires, uh, the fuel, the pit strategy. So we're trying to take and, and distill stories that are buried in billions and billions of messages coming off of the cars during the days. And we're allowing artificial intelligence and predictive analytics to do that for us. And then the, the second one about predictive analytics is really about the fan entering the stadium or entering the venue, uh, being able to take crowd sizes outside of a gate looking at the flow of, of, of scans through that gate uh, per minutes and so on and so forth, 
uh, and then you know telling the fan from their app uh, that they have in their hand in their phone what the wait time is going to look like if you're standing in the line right now and then also what the wait time will be in 20 minutes so you can start to have a you know more I guess a better experience in terms of entry and exit of, of that venue. So I'll, I'll leave it there, but those are a couple of things that we're doing. Yeah, that sounds really nice for um, <clears throat> planning ahead. And, um, you know, I, as a fan, I would love, you know, wait times for like, how long is the wait for the bathroom and to get a hot dog <laughs> and, you know, or another beer and things like that. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. Did that, that's really did that stuff. Uh, I mean, there, there's the, yeah, there's kind of like two conversations. There's like the fan experience, uh, mm -hmm. ingress and egress, getting in and out of the stadium and all that. And then there's the the race itself. And it is it is um, it it sounds like such a deep dive into uh, the mechanics of racing, you know, because you're having to do all of this for cars that are going what is it two thirty or thereabouts. Um, it, you know what what. Uh, what do you have to do to, to set up that kind of monitoring? Like what technologies are we talking about? And, and is this an exclusive network or a private network inside of uh, the facility? Or is there something, you know, extra that you're doing that, uh, that, that keeps all the interference out, you know, and can, you know, track and accurately report on these cars when they're, when they're, uh, I mean, obviously they're not going, too terribly far, but they are, they are accelerating at a ridiculous speed. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, that's gotta be a challenge. Yeah. I think, um, uh, and I'll let SJ comment on, on, um, sort of the, the value of, of doing this in a sec, but in terms of the data and the way that we're collecting the data, we're using existing systems that NT or that IndyCar already has in place, timing and scoring, tried and true in terms of their system. This is the system that tracks the cars going around the track and gives you know the assessment of the winner at the end of the race, right? So very accurate down to a millionth, uh, thousandth of a second. The um, the other piece that we're looking at is the telemetry coming off of the cars themselves. Again, an established network of data that we are now you know subscribing to, and then and then combining all of that in our engine in the cloud, uh, that then turns that around very quickly so that we can give very quick response times back to. Uh, the fans and back to in case of the smart venue back to the operations teams so it's it's not a, um i don't think it's magic there uh, we're using you know existing infrastructure and existing uh things that already are in use at mm -hmm. uh, at a very i guess would say tried and true tested environment uh, we're just augmenting that and and adding value to that in the terms of how we're interpreting the data so i don't know sj if you wanted to add anything no, I, uh, SJ, I, oh, go ahead. No, I, I think you hit it, uh, Bennett. Those are all existing networks that our competition uh, team uses, as well as all of the teams. They are closed uh, that that are set up each race weekend. So, really, what NTT is doing is taking a lot of the unseen, and and we're working to make it more visible uh, to the fans to you know help them understand what's going on in the race, what they should look for, where they should look for it to happen. A lot of this is data that's kind of just always been in the computers and laptops of race engineers from the teams and, and IndyCar and our and our partners. So 
Um, some of it is still proprietary. They don't want us to give away all their secrets, uh, but this is public you know, information that's even been alive and well in the uh, IndyCar app powered by NTT data. Uh, but now we're taking it another step further and, and using that data and the historical data from races beforehand to try to help both our most avid fans find further enjoyment um, in the strategy around racing, but also think about how we help to explain to new and casual fans more of what's happening in the race or what we think might happen in the race to hold them in for another five minutes in the broadcast if they're watching on NBC with our with our broadcast partner here or following along uh, through social media updates, kind of trying to create some of that anticipatory behavior to keep them engaged longer or more often. Just a bit of a, a, a question to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, sort of build on the, on, on, on that discussion a little bit. Can you t- uh, remind our audience just how popular indie racing has become in the last like decade, because it seems to be one of those ascendant sports and also like, like you were just alluding to the amount of information you can learn about the drivers, the cars, the, the pit crews. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's astounding how much stuff is out there now. Whereas a few years ago, it was more of you just something you turned in and watched. And if you t- tuned in and watched, and if you, if you knew about it, you knew about it. If you didn't, you know, you were kind of, uh, up, uh, on your own. Um, how, how how has the popularity increased, and then what are you what are you um, aiming to do to draw you know more people in, or to get people off the fence from being casual fans to folks who follow every single race in the in the series? Yeah, uh, certainly we're very lucky that we have had um, you know really significant and positive growth even in the last five years. So. You know, at one point back at its heyday, IndyCar racing in the late 90s uh, was honestly one of the most popular sports in America um, and then went through some revisionary history that um, led us to today. So what we do see is an upswing and an uptick. Um, I think it's a combination of personalities and and leaning into the personalities of our drivers and, and having people Uh, be attracted to uh, those personalities or more interested to want to understand what they do and and what what makes them tick. Uh, You know, our product on the track, thanks to our competition uh, team, is stupendous. Um, There's always action going on in a race, uh, unlike maybe some other forms of motorsport that uh, wish they had as many passes that um, uh, we could track in our projects like we are with, with Bennett and the crew. Uh, so there is an entertainment factor, I think, around what the product on track plus the personalities. And and now you tie in this kind of data, right, and, and the technology around a sport. And to think about, you know, 140 sensors per cars and millions and millions of data points coming off of them, you know, as quickly as they do going 230 miles an hour and doing lap speeds in 40 seconds here at IMS for two you know, two and a half mile tracks. That's impressive and exciting. Um, So when I think you put those three pieces together, for marketers, content is king. Um, And for us, it's just really about the different avenues to take 
either each of those segments individually and use them to attract new fans and meet them where they already are and create content that's relevant to them, where they're looking for engagement or to be engaged, or taking different combinations of two or all three of those components, uh, which I think is a lot of the work our team is looking to do um, with, with NTT as we build this roadmap out further. Uh, and then again, take that where new fans are. Uh, certainly we want to bring them to where we currently are and live in some of the more traditional media platforms. But I think it, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for us um, in attracting new fans. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's probably good for someone like me who kind of you know, it's always channel surfing and I might stumble on it. And like you said, being able to keep some of those new audience members um, there for a little bit longer, if, if I have a better idea of, of what's going on in the race and, and how the drivers are motivated. Um, Bennett, how do you uh, apply some of these, um, you know, learnings from your work with um, IndyCar to other applications or how can, um, companies use these things in different ways, uh, perhaps in smart cities applications and other venue um, or sporting environments? What are your thoughts there? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, the, the kernel of the, of the solution that we are using at IndyCar and through the series as well as IMS is a, a software platform. And it is, uh, it came and grew out of um, smart cities, for example, and, and one in particular city of Las Vegas. Where, where we have been for the last three years helping the city understand traffic flows, uh, crowd, um, you know, counting and, and different crowd flows within the city, wayfinding, uh, those types of things. We're looking at, um, you know, environmental um, types of, uh, of insights around, uh, you know, sensors that sit and, and monitor the environment. Uh, and providing the city with those that information for uh, not only their police, fire and health, uh, but also to their citizens. Um, we're doing that in a number of cities around the globe. Uh, we've also uh, taken and pivoted this technology platform to work with transit systems uh, to help them uh, understand how their system is being used, how they handle disruptions in their system, uh, and even to the point of getting, uh, again, to that ultimate goal of mobility as a service where you start to be able to pay in one place, uh, you know, get your ticket for a complete journey, uh, whether you're taking one transit system or 15 uh, to get where you need to go. Uh, and those types of things where, where that data that we are able to connect, uh, the, the real, I think the real value of the system that we use is that it's not just looking at a particular one single stream of data. It's able to take multiple streams of data and, and, and correlate those so that you now have the ability to answer different questions uh, about, in, in that case, a journey uh, on different transportation systems. Um, we're again looking at events and venues uh, as we are with the uh, Indy Motor Speedway. We're, we're taking that same uh, commercially available solution and working with buildings and facilities. So both inside and outside. Uh, we're monitoring uh, open spaces. So there, there's a lot of different uh, applications commercially that NTT is, has used this technology for. And, and I might add that in this, in this space where you're combining data from the Internet of Things, sensors that sit out on the edge that are collecting numerous types of different data, that is all shapes and sizes, um, there, there is a tremendous ecosystem that goes with that. 
And so we we work and we have built this sort of platform to really embrace that ecosystem and be interoperable with it. So uh, I think that's one of the things that um, you asked the question of where it's being used and how it's being used. That that's really kind of our our approach uh, to anything that you know has to do with data, data insights, uh, and and predictive analytics. Yeah, and it, um, it it looks like from the release, you're also, um, I guess, going back to um, the IndyCar for a moment, the digital twin technology as well. Can you talk a little bit about um, why that's important? Yeah, so the digital twin is an interesting, like anything that, um, you know, sort of comes on the scene and gets a lot of hype. It's it's right. It means a <laughs> lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you my, in our our team's interpretation of that and how we feel we fit in. Um, I break it down into two components. I, I call one component a data twin, and then I call the, the other component the visual twin. And in the case of, and I'll use the case of IndyCar, is that, um, and the smart venue application that we just talked about, there is a data twin of IMS that we have created. We've basically taken the physical um, sort of boundaries of the IMS area, the thousand acres or whatever that that encompass Indy, uh, we have we have located each of the gates and the tunnels where entry and exit happen. Uh, we have then taken that and run historical data through it to see how it works. Uh, now and that allows us to get a, a, a baseline and that and then we take that data from the different races that we've seen and that we like last weekend, and we are running that. So that's the that's the foundation of the data twin. And then you add the predictive uh, data. So the manufactured data, you're, you're actually now creating additional data off of that, that physical thing that you've now created a digital replica of, and, and you're monitoring it and you're predicting based on historical data that you have, what's going to happen next. And so, so for us, that's the data twin. Now, the visual twin happens in multiple ways. We have an interface that we've given to the folks that manage the entire race and the entire venue on race day. They sit on Pagoda 9 and they have a view of all 360 degree view of everything. Um, they have an interface that we've provided to them uh, up in the operations suite. We've also taken a stream of that data twin data and given it to the IMS app. I mentioned earlier that you know the fan will walk in, scan their ticket at the gate well, there's also a, a link on that app that shows the gate wait times. That's coming from our system, uh, but it's not, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's create the data twin and then create multiple visual twins on top of that, depending on your audience. Um, SJ was talking about the race analytics. We are working with NBC to provide some data to them for their broadcast. We're also putting data out on Twitter and using a completely different interface, but the data is the same. Right. The, um, uh, for a minute there, I thought, Kelsey was writing a spec script for a Christopher Nolan movie about digital <laughs> twins and how the physical and the virtual keep coming back and forth. But yeah. I want, I want car Inception. Yeah. <laughs> right. Have you ever raced upside down? Has that, has right. that ever happened? Um, uh, SJ, how, how, you know, the, the IndyCar series obviously has, you know, several races more to go. I think you have another one coming up in 10 days. Um, what changes from race to race from the perspective of, uh, you know, what you do with the data or, or do you gather different data at different spots or does everything, do you, do you endeavor to kind of keep everything the same? I'm kind of curious as to how the, how the technology informs, uh, you know, how you all connect to your audience at, at different points along the way. 
Yep. We actually raced this weekend. So uh, no rest for, rest for the weary over here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, for us, consistency is really important uh, in racing. So uh, the data that is collected and used both internally and externally for fans, uh, for the most part, stays consistent. We do race on different uh, types of tracks. So some of the data that you collect on an oval, like uh, we ran on Sunday in the Indy 500, is different, um, a a slightly different uh, kind of categories than um, if you run on a road course or a street course, as we'll do in the streets of Detroit this weekend. But for the most part, consistent. Uh, the things that change sometimes are the actual uh, data, um, the numbers that reflect in the data. So when we're looking at things and tracking G-force, the G-force a driver takes while going around an oval turn is very different a lot of times than taking a turn on a road course uh, where you actually have different forces coming at you from different directions. So whether it's the linear plane or the vertical plane or somewhere in between. So the data point remains the same, but the uh, output of the data is different based on what the driver is experiencing or the car is experiencing on the track. Um, you know, so, and then, you know, race over race too is very important. So historical data is playing a huge role in working with Bennett and his team. So to make sure that we have consistent lines of data going back three, five, even 10 years in some cases on some of these tracks just helps us um, refine that output and those predictive moments in the analytics we're trying to, to storytell around um, or predict what's going to happen in the race are, are really key. So being able to have both that real-time data overlaid with the historical just makes you know the, the outputs we're developing even more accurate uh, in some cases. So that's kind of the way we approach it. You know, we're always looking for new things too that we think might be interesting that we can track from a data perspective that we think um, either makes the product better on track to inform the work that they do and how they set up the cars or set up their race strategy, um, but also what might be most interesting for someone, again, you know, watching in the, in the stands at a racetrack or uh, on a device somewhere outside of a racetrack. Yeah, it's interesting. the 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 use of data in sports generally has ha- has been, um, uh, and it sounds like you're definitely going in that direction, where you just sort of uh, you're you're able to not just explain what's happening in the in the context of the moment, but like when an athlete or driver or someone does something remarkable, you're able to tell them exactly why that was so incredible. And and then looking at the historical data and go the last time this was done or something close to it, it was only this much, or it was only this fast or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And I think in addition to that, the other thing that, that, you know, is a, a challenge and an opportunity for us as we think about building our fan base is a lot of people um, believe that the card is all the work. Uh, so for us to be able to take some of both the data that comes off of the cars that also informs what's happening to the driver or what they're being challenged with in the cockpit of the car um, from a physical perspective, uh, I think is really interesting because it really does allow us to talk about the man and machine uh, and help, in this case, particularly educate new or casual fans that 
you actually have to be an athlete. This is a sport. The car, in our case especially, doesn't do all the work. There is no power steering. So while you're taking 5Gs in the neck in turn one of, of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you're doing it with 5Gs five times your body weight, pushing your head in the opposite direction you're going while there's another guy or gal next to you two inches away and your wheels are exposed. So if you can't keep it all together, something disastrous is going to happen um, and your yeah. race might be over for the day. So for us, the, the data is really helping us lean into that storytelling to help clarify for people that, yes, motorsports and IndyCar racing truly is a sport and you do have to be a top athlete uh, and in the best physical, mental uh, and emotional uh, state that you can be to, to be the most competitive on the track. Yeah, it's definitely an, endur uh, 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 an endurance sport and also uh, something that requires just a ridiculous amount of uh, hyper-focus. And uh, uh, that's that's one of the many thousands of reasons why I couldn't possibly be a Indy car driver. <laughs> I was just well, thinking our the next same thing. Our next challenge for Bennett, uh, Bennett and the team is is mental data. <laughs> How can we track mental data with NTT? That'll be our next frontier. Oh, there we go. Fiber to the brain or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, no thanks uh, thanks both of you for being on uh, today. Uh, for those of us uh, for those listening and you know kind of uh, dipping your toe into the uh, Indy car race series, um, you know the best place to track this on. On, on uh, television is the NBC platform, so USA, uh, Peacock, and uh, and NBC. Uh, if you're uh, a YouTube TV subscriber, I think you can subscribe to the entire race series uh, mm -hmm. through your uh, DVR, and it just saves them all and stacks them up. So in case you miss one or in case it's rebroadcast, broadcast, you can uh, catch it then. You can see what kind of data we've been talking about that uh, you know is exposed during the race itself, and then go on Twitter and follow. Uh, who would who would they follow on Twitter to get sort of race time data? Uh, at IndyCar on Twitter. Okay. So follow you know, most of our social handles are at IndyCar, easy to follow. So okay, fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys have any uh, parting comments for us or for uh, our audience or for fans in general? All right. We need will... parking tips for Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because so, so, I, I, yeah, I always turn away from, and I should, I should be, I should be checking my mirrors first, but I just completely turn around and, you know, we'll, we'll get you some driver phone. coaching, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a project. I'm just waiting on a car to save me here. I'm, I'm the tech's going to bail me out at some point. By the time I learn to do it the right way, it'll, it'll park itself. So hopefully it'll happen. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thanks. Uh, thanks, you guys, for uh, for uh, being part of the podcast. Uh, and uh, we will uh, uh, those of, those of you uh, uh, listening, please do look at our show notes at lightreading.com. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.